Philip Bateman, Bravo Charlie here with Dr. John Demartini on the second day of the Breakthrough Experience in Melbourne. The Breakthrough Experience, the opportunity of a lifetime. Dr. Demartini has 46 years teaching experience, 30 years with the Breakthrough Experience. And John, if I may call you John, yep. um, what is the Breakthrough Experience? <laughs> the Breakthrough Experience is a two-day um, experiential program designed to help people literally break through whatever they perceive is in their way to what they really, really in their heart would love to create in their life. So I use every tool, every method, every principle that I've been able to accumulate over the years to assist people in taking the experiences that they think are in the way and showing them how they can be on the way and to get clear on what is really valuable to them and what's really important and how to structure their life in a way where they can delegate lower priority things and get on with what's meaningful. Mm. So it's a program I've been doing for three decades and thousands of people have been through it. And it's something I look forward to doing 43 times a year. I've done it 1,059 times. I had the most incredible day yesterday of essentially you coming at me like a fire hose with information where we went through uh, science, divinity, reality, and it, essentially quantum entanglement. And I really got the, the opportunity to realize that science isn't something that's going on around me. I exist inside of universal law. And to then sit there and have an experience which was a, your guaranteed results, a transcendental experience, absolutely blew my mind. I This is... <laughs> go do the breakthrough experience you're gonna have yeah it's i'm gonna move on there um what can people access by examining the exact moment at which they form a perception about themselves or another person well we have a area in our brain called the pulvinar nuclei which takes in sensory information in a biased fashion and filters out things that we think are less important and focuses us on things that are most important. So we're evaluating our world, judging it, and subjectively biasing information, confirmation biases towards the things that are important and disconfirmation bias to things that aren't. And we're filtering our reality. And therefore, no two people have the same real reality, even though they're looking at the same world. And so our brain is filtering that so we can not superfluously pursue things that are lower in values. So we can go after things that are meaningful. Mm. A mother whose highest value is children, for instance, will walk in a mall and see children's clothes, children's health items, children's educational items, entertainment items, etc. But she won't see business items. She won't see sport items unless it's for her kids. Mm. Where her husband, let's say, is an entrepreneur, if she's focused on kids, he's probably going to be more business-oriented. Uh, and he'll see the same mall. Mm spot completely different things. So they both filter their reality according to what they value. Their brain is constantly helping them filter it so they're not overwhelmed by infinity. They're able to take in the finite information and use it to the greatest advantage. <clears throat> but at the same time, we can distort that and see only part of what's there. Hmm. And that leaves us vulnerable to misinterpreting and distorting our reality and having emotional biases and judging things, sometimes without really objective views, hmm. and uh, then become trapped by our own perspectives. Things we infatuate or resent, look up to or down on, can occupy space and time in our mind and run us hmm. and distract us and bias our future reactions. So we can be tra come trapped in a kind of a vicious cycle of, of a hmm. misinterpretation compounded over time. Hmm. 
And um, what lays inside the human heart? Well, the physical heart Mm. has got uh, cords and muscles and tendons and blood. What access does that give But metaphorically, when we talk about opening the heart, what that really means is that we're seeing a hidden order in our chaos. Mm. We're seeing a balanced, objective, accountable perspective. And when we have a perfectly balanced mind, we literally feel grateful Mm. and grace for what's happening. And we feel a love for life again, and we call it opening the heart. Mm. And it literally, when we have a perfectly equilibrated mind, we open heart in that respect. And we're we're thankful for what's happening. And we see things on the way, not in the way. And so in the breakthrough experience, I, I do what I can with a scientific method to help people take things that they have been judging and they have polarized views on and emotional reactions to and ask questions to help them see what's been unconscious and help them be able to take and find hidden order in their chaos. And when they do, they realize that what's happened to them has actually served them in ways they never saw and they no longer have baggage and they have fuel. What are your thoughts on the pursuit of happiness? Well, it depends on the meaning of what happiness is. Aristotle addressed this in his times. He said there's a hedonistic happiness, which is you're looking for pleasure without pain and immediate gratification. And then there's deep meaning and wellness and whole being that we can pursue. Uh, I believe that meaningfulness is more significant than the hedonistic pursuit of immediate gratification. Uh, That's sustainable compared to the quick fix that we get from a a high. Mm. So if if you're defining happiness as this high, and you'll be trapped in what the Buddha just said, is the desire for that which is unavailable and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable is a source of human suffering. Mm. But if you embrace both sides of life, the true meaning of life, and extract meaning out of both the pains and the pleasures... Uh, that that offers a, a higher advanced brain function, a more creative mind, um, a more fulfilling experience. And so I'm a firm believer in helping people in the Breakthrough Experience and other programs uh, find deep meaning in whatever happens in their life instead of trying to avoid and seek things. Because mm. people are always trying to get rid of half of themselves and get only one side, mm. which is futile. And I, I've found that over the years that when people are trying to get rid of part of themselves, I ask him, did you ever get rid of it? Is it ever gone? Or is it still surfacing? And they go, well, yeah. Well, it's a waste of time trying to get rid of part of yourself. It's a waste of time to be one-sided. It doesn't work. So if that's what you're pursuing is happiness, then the pursuit of happiness becomes the source of your sadness. But if you embrace both sides and see the whole, and you understand the meaning of that and the wholeness of that, and have full consciousness, not conscious-unconscious splits, then um, there's deep fulfillment in that. So I'm a firm believer in that. So it depends on what that is called, because that could be also called happiness if somebody has that in context. Mm. And in your teachings and worldview, where does morality fit into things? Well, many people are highly polarized, and they'll make statements like, my mother was always mean, never nice. I would never be like that. Mm. I always pride myself in always being kind to people, never that. And they're highly polarized, one-sided believers. Mm. I find that uh, is delusional. And when I ask people, if I said to you, you're always happy, you're never sad, you're always kind, you're never cruel, you're always up, you're never down, you're always peaceful, never wrathful, always positive, never negative, always considerate, never inconsiderate, always generous, never stingy, would you believe me? And they look at me and they go, no. If I said you're always mean, you're never kind, you're always cruel, you're never kind or whatever, you're always taking, never giving, always wrathful, never peaceful, and I put them on the other side and I said, do you believe me? And they go, no. But if I say sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, sometimes you're nice, sometimes you're mean, sometimes you're positive, sometimes you're negative, sometimes you're peaceful, sometimes you're rough, and they immediately go, yeah. Mm. 
we have certainty that we have both sides yeah. innately, but we automatically have a bullshit meter going on intuitively when we try to pretend we're one-sided. Mm. So that's why striving for one side immediately brings up the bullshit that goes, this is not obtainable. If I, if I were to say to you, I want you to stay up and positive and kind all day long, every day for the rest of your life, there's a part of you would go, uh, not real. Nah, not gonna happen. So people can be trapped in the pursuit of this moralistic one-sidedness. And I think that that's the, a, a, an incomplete awareness of how it works. So I don't uh, promote a one-sided morality. I find that that's uh, delusional at best and usually misleading at most. And I think that uh, I don't want to try to get rid of any part of myself. I don't need to get rid of any part of myself. I found that every part of myself, the nice, the mean, the kind, the cruel, all served. And so trying to be one-sided is, is me just a futile, fatal existence. And I find people trying to do that, and I don't find it productive. And it usually leads to hypocrisy. And the very people promoting it are usually caught doing the other thing, the opposite. There was a moment where you looked at the room and you said, solve for X. What does that bring up for you? Sold for X. Solve for X. Oh, solve for X. Um, <clears throat> well, I was asking people, I developed a method, which is column 6 and 13 in the Demartini method, where you go to the moment where and when you perceive an individual displaying or demonstrating some trait, action, or inaction that you admire or despise most, that you are infatuated with or resentful to. And if you're infatuated, you're blind to the downside. If you're resentful, you're blind to the upsides. I have them go to that moment. And in that moment, I identify exactly where they are, when they are, to get them in the moment. Because the more present they are, the more intuitive they are. Then I ask them to go, and what exactly is the content of what they're judging? What exactly is the context of why they're judging? And in that moment, who are they judging? And then I ask, who is doing the opposite to who they're judging at that moment? And to their surprise, the knowledge is sitting inside them. And they go, oh. <clears throat> so they actually had knowledge of that was unconscious that actually balanced the equation and allows them to see the thing that opens the heart. Mm. And when they actually see it, they literally get a tear of gratitude. And they realize, oh, my God, I'd been judging this, and I didn't see the whole picture. Mm. I said, I know. And the judging it without seeing the whole picture led to a moralist seeking or avoiding mechanism, a prey-seeking impulse or a predator instinct to avoid. And when you saw both sides, there was nothing to seek or avoid. It was just something to embrace and appreciate. I know sitting there in, in the audience or sitting there in my own life, when you asked me to go back to a moment and I closed my eyes, I actually felt this like synaptic jolt when I tapped into the memory, saw myself in the room, felt my heart go poof and trigger this memory and like very vibrantly be able to touch and see the room it was quite and then you realize the other side was there yeah and then and you go whoa i i was not aware i was aware of that mm. and so the quality of your life basically acquired the questions you ask if you ask questions that make you aware of the unconscious your unconscious and conscious can be joined into a full conscious state mm. and what would you say about the laws human and divine well uh i i like to think of the divine laws of basically the laws of physics the laws of of nature and uh, that's how the universal laws were defined and formed. And the, the divine laws are those. And divine just means to emanate or shine. It's based on the laws of light and physics, optics. So we've personified that and created a kind of a personal deification of those laws as an intelligence lawgiver. Hmm. And that's useful. That has a practicality because we, we have a hard time sometimes dealing with an impersonal universe. Hmm. Uh, and it serves a purpose, but 
ultimately it's just the laws of life and the laws of physics. And I'm interested in studying those to the fullest degree and then apply those to human behavior. Mm. And they just happen to be the same ones that the spiritual traditions sometimes, mm. not all, but sometimes have come, come, come to the same conclusion. And so I'm interested in bringing those together and putting them in a context that a scientist can appreciate or a religious person can appreciate. Mm. And if there was one thing you wanted people to know about the Demartini method, what would you tell them? Well, the Demartini method is something I've been working on since I was 18, mm. so 46 plus years. And it's, um, it's a science, a reproducible science that's being researched right now in various universities. And uh, it, it is applies to help people take what I've described as apparent chaos, things that they don't understand the purpose of and don't appreciate and are judging, and help them ask a set of questions that make them see a hidden order to it where they're actually grateful for it and realize there's nothing that needs to be changed and fixed. There's no judgment of themselves relative to others or others relative to themselves. There's just an appreciation of the hidden order that's there. And all of a sudden they realize that I'm fueled by the experience instead of emotionally distracted by the experience. And that's very rewarding. So I, I, I do what I can to bring that Demartini method out to people who would like to have an advantage in life. Because knowing that unquestionably gives people an advantage in dealing with life. Mm. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and for your work. Yeah, thank you. Bye.